morning, everyone, and welcome to Julia Spare's Moving Markets podcast. It's Thursday, the 25th of May, and my name is Helen Freem. The minutes from the Fed's May meeting are out, and the US debt ceiling negotiations continue, as Fitch have now warned that the country's AAA rating is under threat. On today's show, I'll be talking about these stories and more with my colleague Bernadette Anderko. And we also have Norbert Rucker with us this morning, and I'm going to be asking him about the huge moves we've seen in gas prices. And finally, I'll be speaking to Nicola Jordan to get an update from our CIO office. I'll start, though, by saying good morning, Bernadette. Good morning, Helen. The US debt ceiling saga is still very much in the headlines. How did this affect equity markets yesterday? Yeah, well, um, I'm afraid the saga's uh, not just being felt uh, stateside. Um, European markets closed lower Wednesday with market sentiment here, also definitely rattled by the stumbling US debt ceiling talks. Uh, The stock 600 index closed 1.8% lower with nearly all sectors down more than 1%. And indeed, um, autos, banks, insurance and travel stocks all fell more than 2%. And what about specifically in the US? Yeah, well, there all the three major indices uh, closed lower. I mean, having said that, not dramatically, less than one percent. Um, investors' concerns about the debt ceiling uh, clearly were um, adding to concerns. But added to this, the ratings agency Fitch, as you uh, mentioned earlier, put the United States AAA bond rating on negative watch, saying that the debt ceiling negotiations have raised the risks that the government might actually miss payments on some of its obligations. Although Fitch did say that it expects a resolution to be found. Um, After the markets closed, the Dow futures slipped, but the Nasdaq 100 futures rallied 1.4%. Treasury yields, as you'd expect, were broadly higher across the maturity spectrum after the Fitch news. Um, As a point of interest, yields on both the two-year and 10-year Treasury notes climbed to the highest level since mid-March. Um, Elsewhere, gold fluctuated. Um, The yen edged lower after both safe haven assets spiked higher on the Fitch news before they then unwound their gains. Uh, The yen was hovering just below 140 per dollar, and that is its weakest since November. I saw at least one positive news story, though, with NVIDIA shares surging after the market closed. What's the story there? Yes, um, that was a positive event. Um, Shares rallied more than 25% in extended trading after the company projected that sales for the current quarter will hit $11 billion, far more than the expected $7.15 billion. Um, Not only that, but the semiconductor company also beat expectations for its first quarter earnings and revenue. Let's come back quickly to the US debt ceiling story. What is the latest on the talks that have been happening? Yeah, the latest that I've seen there is that the the negotiations are making progress. It seems to be one of the favourite words, and this was from House Speaker Kevin McCarthy after yesterday's discussion at the White House. Uh, But uh, Representative Steve Scalise told members that they need not stay in Washington over the weekend to vote on the deal, which would suggest to me that negotiations are going to continue into next week. And we also got the Fed meeting minutes yesterday. Can you tell us a few of the details there? Uh, Yes, uh, the Fed Reserve officials were unanimous in their decision to raise rates uh, earlier this month, but they were uncertain over what to do with rates next month. Um, So at the June meeting, it's been said that uh, some, in inverted commas, members want to hike further to combat inflation, but several, also in inverted commas, advocated for a pause because of slowing economic growth. So what they'll do depends on whether you think some or several uh, is, is more than the other. (laughs) Okay, interesting. And how have Asian markets done overnight? 
Yeah, well, um, Asia's Pacific markets are largely lower, again, amid uh, lingering concerns over the debt ceiling negotiations. And also the Bank of Korea held its benchmark interest rate steady for the third consecutive time. Um, Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index led losses in Asia as it fell more than 2% and uh, breached its two-month low, falling below 19,000 for the first time since March the 20th. Uh, mainland Chinese markets also fell. The Shanghai Composite was down 0.66%. The Shenzhen component uh, was just 0.36% lower. Uh, but Japan, the Nikkei 225 uh, bucked the trend and rose 0.27%. Um, unfortunately, the topics saw a marginal loss. And is there any other significant news to mention this morning? I think the other main point to note from yesterday was the UK's headline inflation, where we saw that fall from 10.1% to 8.7%. Sounds like it's good news, but the figure was still higher than expected. And in response, the UK's FTSE 100 lost one and three quarter percent. What's coming up today then? What should we be looking out for? Uh, Still the focus on the US. Uh, We've got US initial jobless claims and uh, gross domestic product both due out today. Okay, great. Thanks, Bernadette. So with all of this, what are futures doing at the moment? We're looking to a choppy start, I'm afraid, uh, with all of the European indices indicating a lower start today. Thanks very much, Bernadette, for the roundup. Now, Norbert, thanks for joining us on the show this morning. Let's focus on Europe's energy crisis. Gas prices are approaching €25 per megawatt hour down from over 100 six months ago, and they were above 300 at their peak last year. How is this possible, Norbert, such huge moves? Well, um, yeah, it's quite mind-boggling to watch what has been happening on the European uh, gas market. Well, the price spikes last year largely reflected a surge in the willingness to pay in an environment that is really framed by perceived scarcity and uncertainty. And this not only happened in Europe, but there's also the Asian buyers of energy uh, that tried to secure any kind of energy they could find on gas markets, coal markets, and even on oil markets. And under such circumstances, when the willingness to pay is the determined element, it's really more the soft factors like behavior psychology that are the driving seat and not the hard factors such as suppliers' costs and margins. And what we witnessed over the past month it is, is that energy markets basically moved from scarcity to abundance, and thus the willingness to pay for any kind of megawatt hours or energy has been dropping. And at hindsight, it really seems like there's been quite a lot of hysteria, especially in Europe last autumn. What's the near-term outlook then? Um, well, much faster than expected. The gas markets or the energy markets overall have been turning from a seller's market to a buyer's market. Um, If you look over the coming months, there are some uncertainty elements on the bullish side, maybe some weather extremes in Asia, which could temporarily prop up demand and uh, imports. Uh, We could also see the prolonged issues or outages in the France aging uh, nuclear fleet. But there's also some bearish elements. Um, France's power availability, again, nuclear power plants, should in fact markedly improve this year compared to last year because most of the maintenance work has already been concluded or done. And then we also have the accelerated energy transition, which just brings more electrons overall into the system. So it might be that with this move from a buyer's market to a seller's market, we're actually going back to the more hard determinants, which would be coal to gas switching, which would be basically slower imports and um, on the global natural gas markets, uh, testing the logistics cost. And all these elements rather point to would appear somewhere closer to your 20 per megawatt hour, not at the price levels we are today. And what about the supply risks for next winter? What are your thoughts there? 
Well, the mild winter that Europe experienced is really only a partial explanation of the downturn, actually really a small one. The bigger one is really the generally improved uh, energy uh, availability and exactly the willingness to pay. So of course, there's always some uncertainties. Um, prices could increase, again, basically weather-related, infrastructure outage-related, geopolitics-related, but the return to the old level seems quite unlikely. Because I think what we have seen over the past months now is also that Europe can really do without Russia. There's sufficient energy available to fully uh, offset the flows that have been coming through the pipelines from Russia. So overall, with this uh, this circumstance, we also decided to adjust our view on natural gas from uh, bearish uh, to up at a notch to cautious. We also lower price targets, and we think the prices should actually settle now somewhere around 25 euros per megawatt hour, which is our longer-term equilibrium price estimate. Okay, thanks very much, Norbert. Great to get your thoughts this morning. And last but not least, let me move over to you now, Nicola. Good to have you on the show this morning as well. So what's the latest news from the CIO office then? Yeah, thank you, Helen, and good morning, everyone. Well, we are still very much trying to grasp the consequences of the regional banking sector crisis on the availability of credit to the economy. Even though US commercial bank lending data remains inconclusive about the extent of the tightening for the time being, we are seeing some shorter-term developments that could be cause for concern. The three-month annualized growth rate of commercial and industrial loans, for example, already turned negative a couple of weeks ago. And why is this so important, do you think? As you might remember, for quite some time, private sector credit growth has been able to somewhat offset the effects of the Fed's rapid liquidity drain and keep the economy going. But now, if businesses and households are finding it increasingly difficult to borrow money to invest or spend, economic activity automatically slows. And if we look at the corporate side, when financing is harder to get, and especially more expensive to get, profit margins will be squeezed. So what does this mean for equity markets? To be honest, we are a bit surprised how unconcerned the US equity market seems to be with these recent developments. I mean, the S&P 500 has pretty much moved sideways or even slightly upwards in the last two months. Historically, tighter lending standards have always coincided with weaker equity market performance. But for now, this correlation is not playing out. This is why we have to continue to closely monitor this situation. And how is this reflected in portfolios then? Just to be clear, we are not saying that investors should de-risk and reduce their equity quota due to this potentially looming credit crunch, at least not for now. But what we try to emphasize is that in these late stages of the US credit cycle, selectivity and positioning in high-quality securities remains highly warranted. Fundamentally, though, we continue to believe that large-cap US equities are a crucial building block in portfolios because of their superior ability to generate free cash flow. That's it from my side. Back to you, Helen. Excellent. Thank you very much, Nicola. So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guests this morning and thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget the Beyond Markets webcast, which is happening today at 10 o'clock here in Switzerland, where our experts will be talking about how to generate income in uncertain times. For anyone who isn't a client but is interested to watch, you can find all the details on LinkedIn. And if you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback. 
Do join us again tomorrow. I'll be back with more of our colleagues, including Tim Gagey, who will give us an update on currencies. Until then, have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Wealth Insights is a podcast series where Julius Bear experts discuss topics from a wealth management perspective. Whether it's starting a business, preparing for retirement, or transferring wealth to the next generation, our experts provide answers to the relevant questions. Available now on all good platforms, search for Wealth Insights on your favourite podcast player.